This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. And today's guest is Jeffrey Reynolds, who is a full-time YouTuber with multiple channels, multiple different industries, and he has millions of subscribers across all of his channels. Jeff, thanks for being a guest on the show. Michael, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to dive into YouTube, and you've been around since the earliest days of YouTube. So tell us a little bit about how you started your first channel. I'm aware you've got a lot of channels now, but what was it like in the initial stages? Well, my original channel is called Jeff Mara, and it and my name's Jeff, obviously, and my wife's name is Mara. So I just put our names together. And this was back in 2006. Mind you, this is before it was even acquired by Google. This was still Chad and Steve days. So um, and you can still see my very first video. I used to play sitar, and I just was just sat in front of my Mac one day and just kind of played sitar before I rolled into work and um, posted it. And... Um, over the years, I um, would just post random things of whatever, right? I mean, just completely random things because back then, um, you know, there was nothing, no one was making money from it. Um, you know, there wasn't really developing a channel or a brand or anything. It was just kind of people throwing up random stuff. And I used it for my work. Um, I'm Besides doing YouTube, I'm also a licensed chiropractor. So I would make chiropractic videos, health videos. I would make music videos. I would make just all kinds of random stuff. And, um, and so um, I was doing that till about 2010. And interestingly enough, uh, in the very early days, I was 35. Wait, wait, 2006. I was 36 when this started, right? So... Um, there was a, I made a comment on a post or made a video post about somebody getting tased at the university. And <laughs> even at 36, people were calling me old man and you're so old and all this stuff. So I knew it that even at the very beginning that this is a, you know, a young guy's, a young cat's game. At least in the beginning it was. Now it's it's wide open for everything. But right, right off from the gate, I was like, wow, they're already thinking I'm way too old for YouTube and everybody's commenting <laughs> how I'm of my age. You know, it's kind of over for me and I haven't even gotten started. That channel, my original channel, in about 2010, my oldest son was really into Thomas the Train. So I started making Thomas the Train videos and I realized that um, just, I mean, the most craziest random thing of watching Thomas train toys crash into each other was getting crazy views. <laughs> so I basically one upped it and just started, um, crashing all their trains and adding little cheesy sound effects and explosion effects. And it started, you know, started taking off and at the time you had to be invited by youtube to run ads to monetize your channel so they saw i was getting traffic and they offered me you know to run ads and i was i was totally pumped about it and i said sure and, and um i started running ads and 
And um, I remember making 65 cents a day and I was so exciting. You know, it was, it was a hobby that I really loved and enjoyed. And I was actually, wow, I'm making, you know, some change out of it. So it was great. Yeah. And um, so on that channel, um, we started, um, you know, my kids, we started, um, we just started, made, we, it turned into a toy channel. And again, this is 2010. We didn't rebrand the channel or nothing. We didn't do all this, you know, branding. And back then there was probably 50 or less toy channels in the whole planet. Yeah. So, and people were kind of, in my opinion, looked down on children's videos back then mm. because, you know, it wasn't artistic. It was whatever. So, um, my, uh, we, I continued on the Thomas route for a while and then we just, we, um, on that channel, we'll just stay with that channel for now. So we just continued on the Thomas route for a while and, um, we could just buy toys and have the kids open them and film it. And ah, uh, yeah. those that do well, and those that do well too. So, um, and I, it was just, a, it was just, I enjoyed it and it was a money game. So if I knew if I bought my child, let's say a $20 toy, I would make my money back plus maybe an extra 50 bucks or something. Right. Yeah. So that's how the math worked out. So at that point, you know, my wife and I said, you know, we just, we started, it slowly evolved to like whatever toys my kids want they got because I was going to make a video of it and make money off of it. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so as they grew over, as they grew older, the toys evolved, they, you know, their interests changed. And so whatever toys that their interest was into my channel kind of evolved into. So it went from, it went from Thomas, the train toys into angry birds toys and how old are you by the way because i wonder where you're at oh me um i'm almost 30 so i totally get the uh so, mr tank engine that was mine what? um to try mm -hmm. to try to think because it, it sort of brings up a bit of a i guess the environment that you're in as well whereby depending on the age of your mm -hmm. audience they're growing up watching your kids grow up which must be a bit of a, yeah. if that's the case, and this is a complete assumption that that could be the case with some of the, the kids that were watching. Yeah, you're right. It must have been pretty, um, not weird, because you might have a bit of a disconnect from the audience, but you know when you get the comments of, oh, your kids have gone from Thomas the Tank to Angry Birds just like mine, and you're sat there like, whoa, this must be really weird. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it was more just comments from kids, not from their parents. But you're right on um, what you're saying before. And um, so the channel over the years just started um, evolving into toys. And then I used to um, I used to just try to evolve. And I used to sit and think, if I was, you know, 10 years old, what do I want to watch? Right? Yeah. And, and that's where my, I would try to put my mind in that position. What do I want to see? What do kids love? And, and it used to be very experimental back then. It was amazing when the algorithms weren't what they are today. The, the competition wasn't was it what it is today. And you could be real experimental with your channel. And that channel was very experimental. So like one of the experiments I did was I'm like, well, kids love candy. And I said, all right, it was coming up to um, Valentine's Day one year. I don't know how far, it was probably 2011, 2012. And um, so I'm going to go to the store and buy all the cool 
Valentine's candy and bring it home and let my kids, you know, open it up and taste it and give their opinion about it. And that probably was the first candy review ever. A lot of the first, I think our channel did. So, and that chat and that video blew up <sighs> huge numbers. And then it was dead until Valentine's came around next year and it would blow up again. It was amazing. Mm. And um, so we, um, the channels could be very experimental and the channel would evolve over the years. It would go from, you know, one thing to another thing to another thing. And um, eventually that channel, um, what was really hot, gosh, 2012, 13, were Kinder Surprise Eggs. Mm, okay. And, yeah. I mean, they were super hot. I mean, it was like crack for kids. All you had to do is like open the eggs and show what you what you see inside. Yeah. And it was getting ridiculous views, crazy views. And um, I decided to invent. I just said, well, I'm going to make my own egg, the biggest that you could possibly make. And where I live in Texas, pinatas are very popular. So I um went to a store and bought a giant three foot egg. It was a pinata and a pinata. If you, I don't know what your audience is, but if you're maybe global and they don't know what a pinata is, it's basically something that's made out of like paper mache with a frame. Oh yeah. And yeah. Children hit it with a You fill it with candy and children hit it with a stick and it's a party game. So I took this giant egg and I cut it open and filled it with toys, big toys, like you'd buy at the store. And, um, and decided to have my kids open it up and show what's inside of that. And that was like the thing that just took my channel to like explosion. You built an egg out of a similar method to a, a pinata, filled it with toys. It was, a, well, the pinata was, a, I just bought the egg already made. Oh, okay. Okay. So the, so the egg was yeah, from a pinata store. So the egg was filled with toys. And then your kids would mm -hmm. hit it with sticks. Well, actually, they didn't cut it, even cut it, hit it with a stick. They just cut it open and just started pulling out the toys and saying, hey, check it out. It's a Tonka truck. Look at this. And then they'd reach in and get something else. That video is still up on my channel. You can see it. And it's, it's probably 160-something million views. It must have been pretty crazy for your, your whole family, really, to go from this, like, I'll just do games on my computer and then upload those videos to then suddenly get in the kids involved. Did you have to have a, a conversation with them about it? Or did you go, hey, let's have a laugh and record this and we'll throw it on YouTube and see how it does? What was the conversation like? Well, we never really, we never were, we never put gaming videos really up. So I wasn't really a gaming channel. So it wasn't really a, a, a trend, you know, a change from that. It was just, I mean, they had been doing it since they were, I mean, my little one, gosh, two or three, four, between two and four. And my older one, probably five or six. So it was just something that we always did for fun. You know what I mean? Like, especially when Thomas the train, because at children at that age, it's kind of like you're playing along with them anyways. Like, hey, let's go play Thomas. And, and it's just kind of like, we had fun with it and it's just kind of like what we did. You know what I mean? Almost kind of like, I don't know, kind of like what you did as a family. It's kind of part of play in a way. So to this day then, I mean, I'm seeing some of the videos that you've done and some of them, they just seem to get 
crazier or wackier as as the the months went on. So some of the ones that I've seen, uh, you're in supermarkets doing crazy like things, but crazy in terms of like you know not many people wear costumes in supermarkets. So how do you organize those kinds of videos? Do you have to talk to the supermarket first? Do you have to get in touch with management and say, hey, we'll <laughs> have a laugh in your supermarket, okay? Don't throw us out. Or do you literally just go with it and that's part of the, the whole idea behind it? All right, well, those videos you're, you're referring to are on my other channel called Happy Family 1004. Mm-hmm. And that's my wife's, my wife started that channel as just of a different channel of my children playing. And then that channel evolved into playing with Nerf guns and all these Nerf based stories. Yeah. And we have an entire series on there where my son became the Nerf police. And um, we have, I mean, we have a lot of great, great um, videos on there. And so um, you can see all those. If you just put Nerf Patrol, whoever's listening, you'll see a ton of them. So at last year, right, literally right about this time, you know, that's when COVID started. And, um, and so me and a friend, uh, you know, my kids' interests change over time and, and he became more busy with school and he couldn't really do the Nerf police anymore. So I tried to come up with a whole new series, completely brand new series. And I just thought about it one day. Um, uh, I have the, that, it's kind of a Walmart series and you can see that on there. And the first one was, I just kind of put on a zombie mask and um, act like I was a zombie shopping for Nerf guns at, at Walmart. And luckily, um, phones have gotten so great now that I, my friend, we just used our Samsung mobile. So it was really a discreet thing. No one knew. We didn't ask anybody. We didn't, there was no asking. I just said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You know, we just, all right, you stand over there. I'm going to roll in. I'm going to put the mask on real quick. I'm going to roll down the aisle. You film me and I'm just going to, I'm going to be shopping for Nerf guns, right? And kind of picking through (laughs) stuff. Yeah. And, and, and the great thing about having a mask is you can go home later and voice over what you want to say. Ah, okay. Yeah. So it's like trick. The trick was in the, the editing. I mean, you still had to like fly down the supermarket dressed as a, a zombie mm-hmm. on it, you know, but it, it's, I just, I just picture when you're doing it, 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 it yeah, it's enough to, enough to make me laugh inside trying to hold it into the interview but some of the some of the ideas that you've come up with um they made me assume that you had to ask for permission first but that wasn't the case you just did it yeah did you ever think about changing and moving across to different platforms or did you see what was happening and think that's just not for us well, the thing is, is that this is my full-time job, right? You know, obviously income is always a, a part of my thought process. And I just don't feel like there's really any income to be made on Instagram or TikTok unless you're doing brand deals, you know, unless you're like saying, hey, this is the new Harry Potter chocolate wand. Let's go take a bite and taste it. 
right? That's where the money comes from on Instagram or TikTok is from brands actually paying you to um, rep their product. I mean, I don't think anybody, they're not running ads on Instagram. You're not making ad revenue. So there really was no huge incentive for me to go in those directions. Although I do have um, an Instagram and I do have TikTok and I kind of like, hopefully the traffic will kind of flow in that direction, but I don't take it. I don't try to put a lot of time into it. And I think really you can make a lot of money and and I'm not saying it's not a great place to be and you can make a lot of money in there and you can be very successful, but you have to have, you know, tens of millions, maybe more than tens of millions followers. You have to have a lot of traffic. So how would you aim to utilize the other platforms there? Like if a, if a TikTok comes up or you decide to use Instagram or when you do or any of the other platforms that are available, how, how do you currently use those? Well, I basically use them to drive traffic to my YouTube channel. Um, all I usually do is I just kind of chop up little things from my YouTube videos and then post them on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. So I don't have to put too much time into it. Um, I felt like I spent a lot, enough time in each platform where it's not growing at the pace that I want it to grow. And so since it didn't grow to, at that pace, I decided, well, there's no point in me putting, you know, putting my time there. Um, I, you know, do, doing in social media or YouTube or whatever is more time consuming than most people can imagine. And so you start running out of time and you start running out of energy. And um, so you have to, I think if you, if you do it as a career, like I am, it's a long, it's a marathon, it's a long game. And so you have to kind of, you know, um, conserve your energy, your time, the best as you can. That makes sense. One of the things that I am curious about, yeah, it does. It makes perfect sense. And I think that it depends on your energy output as well. Like you're not just sat in front of a camera talking to YouTube. You've got a lot going on. You're doing a lot of different things and you're editing and all those things. Are you able to share how you go from idea to publish? There is a lot in there. I'm happy to give you the floor with that. But if you do a lot on YouTube and that's your main focus, there'll be a lot of people that would value your sort of, not insider secrets, but like step-by-step from, okay, we're going to do this today. And then what happens next? Hmm, All right. Well, that's, that is a lot of information. I got to organize my thoughts on how to, how to give that all to you. I have multiple channels and, um, Right now, I've kind of narrowed it down to where I'm mostly working on two or three. And my main channel that I put my most work into is still my Happy Family 1004 channel. And that's a channel that's very based on Nerf guns. Um, What, and this may be interesting for people, and what I've discovered over the years is Unboxing and demonstrating a product gets you so much traffic, but creating stories and and ideas, well, I guess really just creating stories and playing with it or using it gets so much more traffic. So um, if I can somehow, you know, 
I could, let's say if there's a brand new nerfed gun out, let's say we'll call it the nerf Michael, right? Michael's got his own show, the Michael, the Michael podcast nerf gun. So we have a brand new nerf Michael gun, right? So I can do one kind of video, just unboxing and telling everybody, Hey, let's check out the new nerf Michael of it. Nerf gun. It's so awesome. It, it talks when you pull the trigger and then that's one type of, of video about it and it'll get a certain amount of traffic, but then I can create a whole, let's say, let, how can we take this new nerf Michael video nerf gun and create it into a story so hmm, we got this new nerf michael video and nerf michael is a podcaster too so he's got his own nerf gun let's see if we can come up with a story where and i had this character that i've used a long time called the hacker he's just like the you know you've got to have they're always just basically my my videos are good you know good vibe good guy versus bad guy right so the hacker decides uh he doesn't like Michael's podcast and he doesn't like Michael's Nerf gun. So he's going to break into Michael's house and have a Nerf war with him and tell him, <laughs> if you don't stop, you know, using this Nerf gun, then uh, we're going to make you stop. So, and I'll, to, to make a long story short, um, you have the, for the, for that channel, you have two different types is what I'm running on now. It's basically, you know, unboxing, demonstrating, showing new Nerf guns and Nerf-like products, toy guns. And then I have creating actual story-based videos out of that. And then the story-based videos are more hot, are more difficult. And, you know, um, especially when I had our series, the Nerf Patrol, which was the Nerf Police, I used to just comb through and buy costumes. And you can't imagine how many costumes I have. I would just go online like Halloween.com and I would look through a costume and I would sit there and look through costumes and find, think about a costume and say, okay, how can I be this character and have a reason to have a nerf, a nerf battle, right? I'm trying to think of one. I mean, just one that I bought off, you know, like, um, I don't know. You could just take any, I mean, there's so many, I don't know why I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I would, you know, get a certain, you know, a certain costume and, um, and then, um, and then I would figure out how to create a story and those stories worked really well. I mean, they just did amazing. So I would sit down, I would think this, I would think of the stories and what's amazing also is again, we were really lucky because um, a lot of the stories had masks. So I only really had to write the dialogue for my son because my son would be speaking his and then I, and the editing, I could go back and make whatever dialogue I, I would like. And those, all those stories did amazing. I mean, they just did fantastic. I mean, if you go through, you can see a lot of them with millions and millions of views. And, um, and here's another tip or a side bit, just it's off to the side, but it really isn't about at my level of the game, or if you're living off YouTube, it isn't about subscribers. It's about views because you don't make any money from subscribers. And now with the, as far as I know, and, and I don't work at YouTube, so you just have to take my opinion. I mean, if what's going on and, but, and other people's opinions. So I don't work there, so I don't know for sure, but the way the algorithm works anymore um, YouTube doesn't present in the old days on your homepage, it would show right up top, I think, or, or somewhere up top, whoever you're subscribed to and all their videos. Right. So it was real beneficial, but now the way it is in my, from what I understand and in my opinion, um, 
They just are going to show you what you're interested in. You may watch a couple videos on something completely different. And then the next time you go to your homepage, it's going to populate you with that. So it isn't as right. beneficial Quite. as it used to be, right? It's completely different. And I understand what they're doing because, you know, in my opinion, they want, they want to show you what you're interested in. Yeah. So, um, so that's with that channel. Um, I just want to mention, um, if you don't mind, so my children got older, COVID made it more difficult, and it's hard to do those story videos anymore because, um, you know, everybody's out of a job. You can't, and I had to do a lot of these things on location, go places yeah. like all those Walmart ones. We were just kind of sneaking into Walmart really early. We'd go at like six, five o'clock in the morning when nobody was shopping. It was just people. <laughs> Walmart here is open 24 hours a day. So it's open at right. any time. But from, you know, probably yeah. midnight to seven is all the people in there restocking the shelves. So we went in there and there's no traffic. We get up really early and go. And, um, and I had a friend that was really interested, but he had to get something else and he had to get another job, you know, with COVID and everything. So I just stopped doing those. But um, anyways, I wanted to mention that I started a new channel, my own podcast channel, and it is all about the paranormal. I don't even know if you've ever even aware of it. Ah. But it's all about near death. It's all about near death experiences and nice. um, and alien abductions. So I'm kind of re. I'm I'm. This is like my third. Like my first channel was the Jeff Morrow's toys, and it just. And it's a long story, but it finally had an endpoint. And then the next biggest channel was this Happy Family with the Nerf. But my kids grew up, so now I've got to base something on me, which is channel number three which is this it's kind of like what we do but it's but i put up the video as well and it's all talking to people about their near-death experience i kept the brand name jeff mara because it was kind of seemed successful for us so i just named it jeff mara podcast one of the things that i am interested in with that with the three channels is it's about how your family's evolved and then how you want to create something for yourself. I find that interesting because that's something I've done personally as well, which leads me to think that you know, you've always been interested in like the paranormal things and near-death experiences. And I just want to say as well that your channel will be up and running and doing really well by the time this interview goes out. So share a bit more about that, the paranormal element of your channel. What's the main aim of it? Who's it for? And then we'll give you a chance to promote anything that you want to promote. So take it away. Well, it's just, um, let me see how I got interested in the paranormal was I used to be a music, well, I guess I'm still a musician, but I used to play out two or three times a week and I'd always come home really late. And so here in the US, there's a radio talk show that's on from midnight to 4 a.m. that's all paranormal. I mean, about aliens, alien abductions, Bigfoot, you know, whatever. And um, so I really love that subject. And um, I started a podcast during COVID, like last, um, gosh, May, June. And this is a tip for anybody, and as well as for being a YouTuber, is that I just started interviewing anybody on anything. Although I love the paranormal, I would, I mean, I had a lot of relationship podcasts back in the beginning. And, um, and so here's the tip is, is that you keep doing 
all kinds of videos. If you're starting from the beginning and you don't, you know, you kind of, whatever you like, you kind of, kind of have to keep doing stuff till finally something works, something catches. And then once that catches, you kind of stay there. So um, I had luckily picked up a near death experience woman from Australia, probably in July or August. And that started taking off from there. It's not, it's not the, if you look at it now, the numbers are not big. I mean, it's like 3,500 subscribers, but um, it, you'll see in your YouTube that once something takes off, you just make, it's not like you make, you're going up. It's just, you make jumps, you make transformations, like all of a sudden, okay, I'm at 1,000 subscribers. And then boom, a month later, I'm at 3,500. Then boom, now I'm at 10,000. And now my, my, my videos are getting all this traffic. So it's not usually a linear increase. It's, a, it's just a straight jump. Um, so um, I made, I started making, I'm making, making jumps with that. And I really don't want it to be in the box of near death experiencers completely. I like paranormal, but as far as a YouTube and the traffic is there for that. And I still like the subject. Um, I'm staying there on the majority for a while. The great thing is that also what's fascinating about um, alien abduction and that stuff is that, and I'm probably going to go out there for your, for your people here, but a lot of people in the UFO, UFO world are now starting to think that UFOs can't fly here. It's too far away. You have to travel here interdimensionally or fold space or something, right? It's, it's dimensional traveling. So um, when people have these near-death experiences, if you listen, there's a certain amount of people. You know, a lot of people will say, I see a relative or I see Jesus or I may see Buddha or whatever. But there's a certain amount of people that will see, say, I see these kind of non-human intelligence, non-human beings out there, these multidimensional beings. Some people will say they're aliens. Some people will say they're whatever. So... What's great for me is I like the two subjects and now the two blend in with each other. And, um, and um, so for that, kind, for that new YouTube channel, it's actually the easiest channel for me because I don't have to create any content. I just have to go find the guests. And I find the guests and I just, I'd be a very intense listener and I just, um, and I, I give the guests dignity. I try to, treat them and I try to do my best, you know, I, I just, whatever they say, I believe in them a hundred percent, whether they say that they have a, you know, they have a, an electric being living in their bathtub. Okay. You have a, let's talk about it. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not there to challenge them. I'm sure there to give them a space where they can talk and tell me about their experience. It's getting pretty, very interesting. I mean, people are starting to email me. I mean, unsolicited telling, sending me emails yeah. telling me their stories, um, sending me stuff. I mean, it's pretty much every day now. Uh, people are wanting to be on the podcast, telling me their story, what happened to them. And um, it sounds um, fascinating. Yeah. And I think the way, my way of doing it, I use Joe Rogan as a template. And for mine is, I noticed that he posts a podcast every single day. So I basically do these every single, well, Monday through Friday, we have a new guest on it. My hardest thing is just going out and getting guests. 
but now they're starting to come to me. So it's making it easier, but I put them up. My, I use him as the template and just putting out massive content. And thank God my wife can do the editing <laughs> and um, she'll edit those. She's editing those while I'm still editing the Nerf content because the Nerf content is still paying the bills while I'm trying to grow this as fast as I can. So, um, so, um, but yeah, so that's kind of my template. I'm doing them every single day and just trying to put up massive, massive, massive. And hopefully it'll get to the level where I can just live off that. And then the Nerf content will be like gravy money coming in. Are we able to get a bit granular with the, the, the YouTube thing, like strategies for YouTube as well? Sure. You know, if we, with one thing you got you to realize is if you're a YouTuber full-timer, for your um for your job full time i think you got you don't think of one video you think of several videos you've always got to be thinking two three four videos down the road because you know one one video may perform well one video may not um it's so you know it it, it a thumbnail on your video can make or break a video so for every video, I make three or four thumbnails. I mean, I've had a video, I posted it, it wasn't doing very well. And then I changed the thumbnail and it starts to take off. So right, um, it's so competitive now. And, um, and so, um, you know, you've got to think in sequences. I mean, it, I'm not saying to probably to, to get a video that's maybe crack of a million views is not too hard per se, but to do it, if you want to live off it, you've got to do it every week. Yeah. Or you've got to do it, you know. Luckily, I have an old catalog. I mean, I have, you know, an, a, a big catalog of videos. But even those, it's just, it's you know, it's getting more difficult. I mean, I mean, if you ask YouTube, I don't know. They've got lifetimes and lifetimes of videos already on the platform. You know, they've got. I mean, they, I don't know, they come, they, 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 they have a number of like years, you know, like years of video, like they have, I don't know, 3 million years worth of videos. I don't know the number, but if you, I'm sure you could Google it and find it out that they have years and years worth of video already there. Um, so it's very, very competitive now. And um, so anyways, yeah, that's kind of some of my strategy. You got to make great thumbnails. You've got to, if you're going to do it for a living, you've got to think multiple you know you can't just be thinking of what's my next video you might want to kind of in your mind what's my next two or three videos and and i'm sure if you talk to all the big guys they'll say the same thing um you know i mean a lot of you know people who do it full-time they're all you know it's not just one video it's many videos and and um, yeah. you kind of got to love it you've got to love it because your your mind it just consumes you and if, it, if you and and um if you don't, then, you know, it's probably going to eat you up and spit you out. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, there's there's a lot of talk of YouTube and the idea of SEO because it's a massive search engine, captions being important, thumbnails being important, what you put in the description being important. Do you have any, let's just say, like, top three tips there? Because you've already mentioned the thumbnails, You've already mentioned that making a massive difference with how well the videos do. Do you have like three others that you could point to that move the needle when it comes to YouTube and growing your your views? Because views will lead to subscribers, but you've already said mm -hmm. it's not about subscribers. 
it's about views in terms of monetizing your channel. So what would be your top three tips for us? You got to have a snappy, catchy title because that's going to, you know, you got to get people curious also. There's a lot of people that are on the fence about watching your video. So they may see a picture and then, you know, um, and a title, like, for example, a lot of my, you know, podcast titles are like, um, you know, this person died on, I have a new one I'm going to be putting out. The guy was donating blood when he died, right? And he died because you're not supposed to be donating blood and when you haven't eaten. And he, the guy had no money and hadn't eaten for days. Wow. He died on the table while donating blood. So, you know, I put die guy, you know, die guys donating blood and has, has in near death experience and sees Jesus. See, like a snappy title like that, you know, that's kind of where I guess where I'm kind of going with that. You've got to get, you got to create curiosity with your title or think of a title that's going to be, you know, something that's going to say, hmm, oh, wow, what's, I'm, what's that all about? You know, well, let me click on yeah. the video and see what's up. Yeah. You must watch this video. A lot of people do that. Don't miss this video. Watch this video or, or hey, you want to learn, here's your title, YouTube video tips from full-time youtuber you know what i mean something like that you know if you yeah. this podcast so thumbnail is so important title is very important and then um these are just simple things your description is very important because that's where your seo is like i gotta hit i try to hit words that people are gonna search for like okay well this guy had a near-death experience while he was on the table and and um during his nde there's another search word during his NDE, he saw Jesus. Oh, Jesus is another big title. You see what I'm saying? So some people are, you know, you have a whole crew of people because there's a lot of YouTubers now that it's like their business and they have many people working for them. I think you're going to maybe slowly see the people like mom and pop YouTubers, like my wife and I, it's hard to compete, compete when you have a whole crew of people, right? Yeah. But then they'll look up like all the, for a topic, they'll look up maybe all the, you can go through Google Trends or Google AdWords or whatever and look up what are all the best keywords for whatever your topic are. And then somehow when you write your description, you try to implement those keywords. Is it like where you, you find yeah. the, the SEO sort of words and then you try to fit them into a paragraph? Is that kind of your, your process around that? Yeah, basically. Sometimes people overthink their the SEO. Yeah, I mean that's important. I'm sure captions are great. I just don't do them. I wish I if I wish I was I um I should be and if I had the extra income for it, I would pay people to do all the um to do all the captions in all languages or maybe all the major languages, because I think that can be, that can take you to another level. Like if you did one in Arabic, French, German, Spanish, you know, maybe all the major ones, that's probably a great, a great thing um, as well. And then the content's got to be there. It's got to be interesting content, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if your videos aren't very good, then it almost doesn't really matter how good your SEO is because no one's going to come back to your channel and watch any more of your, of your videos, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Awesome, Jeff. Well, this has been, this has been fantastic. There's been so much that you've shared with us. Very, very amazing to see how, you know, in some ways, you don't need a massive 
operation as such, like staff and all kinds of other things just to be able to to build a channel or multiple channels like you have. And I'm sure people listening or watching will be able to take a lot from it, see what videos you've got going on on your multiple channels. And in some ways, it's just nice to see that you can do really well with what you have, you know, and you don't need a full production team to be able to maximize a, a particular platform. So it's been great to have you on, Jeff. How can people learn more about you? Where can people go? My Jeff Mara podcast. So if you if you go to Jeff Mara podcast on YouTube, um, you're welcome to reach out to me on Facebook on the Jeff Mara podcast. People kind of try to connect with me there. We have a Facebook page. I mean, I use Twitter and, and Instagram and all that. I, as again, they're not really a big thing for me, but if you're just looking to find me, you can always message me. You can find me anywhere. I mean, I'm sure if you just type Jeff Mara or Happy Family 1004, I mean, it's it's there. I'm easy to find. So you know, however you want to reach out to me, it's fine. I, I want to just put this out there real quick is that I have it on LinkedIn. And if someone, you know, I don't, I'm not sure who your audience is, but I've even put myself out there. No one's actually taken me up on it, but if I'm putting myself out there, if someone wants to hire me to be um, a YouTube consultant, that's available too. All right. Awesome. I'd be happy to to put the, the details of that in the description for the show as well. So if people are looking to grow their channels, then they can reach out to you as well. All right. Awesome stuff. Well, for those that are listening, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. And if you enjoyed the show, share it with one extra person, just one extra person that's interested in YouTube, maybe want to grow their channels. Jeff is the person to speak to. All right. So make sure you tell them about the episode and leave a review if you enjoyed it. We always love checking out our reviews for the podcast. Have an amazing day wherever you are. And Jeff, I look forward to keeping in touch. You too. Take care.